Learning to be happy with Da. Hello and welcome back. In this episode, I'm going to discuss some healthy and unhealthy ways of responding to feelings of fear and anxiety. This should help you to identify what you have been doing and what you could do differently. The first step, of course, is to recognize and name what you are feeling. Are you feeling worried, concerned, scared, or terrified? The second step is asking, what am I afraid of? But what if you don't know, and you only know that you feel scared, but you don't know why? Well, I call that anxiety. If you know why you're afraid, it's more accurate to say that you're worried or concerned. For example, you're not anxious about getting surgery. You're worried, concerned, or scared. Anxiety is a kind of low-grade, chronic fear, usually experienced as stress, and we typically feel anxious around things that have no conceivable end or resolution, things we feel we can't get away from. So, for example, if you're in an abusive relationship and you're not sure how to leave or don't think leaving's possible, and you feel scared at home, then you may feel anxious all the time, of nothing in particular. And similarly, When we have a chronic illness, we might come to fear our body. And since we can't escape our body, we feel anxious all the time. We could also be anxious about something pervasive in our lives, like uncertainty itself. If uncertainty frightens us, then we'll be anxious all the time, since uncertainty is everywhere. Of course, the anxiety could be physiological. I'm not sure how common that is. But it is my experience that, in almost every case, there are specific subconscious fears behind that anxiety, and we need to make them conscious in order to work through them. As a counselor, I meet a lot of people who say they're anxious and don't know why. With this lack of self-awareness, there's only so much we can do by talking. And so I find that taking a physiological approach, like through meditation and breath work, or even massage, is a better way to relieve that chronic stress and to find the clarity to understand what you're really scared of. A good technique for breaking the grip of chronic stress and anxiety is to practice heart rate variability training, which I will discuss in another episode. But let's come back to fear. Assuming you're able to name the quality of your fear and identify the trigger, then you can move forward in your investigation. First, If you plan to share your thoughts and feelings with someone, it may help to pause and ask yourself these questions. Who do I want to tell and why? Do I want to vent or do I want advice? Given what I know of this person, what is their most likely reaction? Will they remain calm or will sharing this with them make them worry? Will their reaction help put my fears at ease? Ideally, you tell someone who won't worry with you or about you. Ideally, you tell someone who will remain calm and respond in a way that grounds you in the present and helps you to feel safe. If you're wanting to understand your fears on a deeper level, and you're not just looking for some confidence or reassurance that everything will be okay, 
then you may find it difficult to find a friend to help you. The reason being that they probably share your fears and consider them so normal that they're more likely to validate your fears than question them. Because many social fears are considered normal and justified, most people cannot hold the right space or ask the right questions to take you deeper. So if you don't know who to talk to, you may be better off talking to a counselor or taking some time out to meditate and journal. So, let's start by looking at some unhealthy reactions you may have to feeling scared or anxious. And if you've never practiced mindfulness and don't have much experience examining your thoughts and feelings, it's likely you will do one of these things. 1. Not notice you're afraid at all, but feel hurt or angry instead. 2. You may seek certainty and reassurance as a way of alleviating fear. For example, you might ask people, do you love me? Do you think I'm beautiful? Or fish for compliments and validation in other ways. Three, you may also seek control to alleviate your fear. For example, in a romantic relationship, the fear of abandonment can lead people to feeling jealous, possessive, and using ultimatums or passive-aggressive behavior to manipulate the other person to changing their behavior. In reality, although that person may believe their partner is at fault for making them angry, or anxious, if they recognize they're anxious at all. The truth is they're only scared of their own feelings. They can't be present with their fear of abandonment, and they're trying to control the other person as a way of controlling the trigger of that feeling. People also seek control in their relationships by hiding what they think and feel and trying to please the other person. And this may amount to outright lying about what one thinks and feels. Four. You may react by avoiding the things that scare you, which could manifest in many ways. If you're afraid of social situations or intimacy, maybe you avoid meeting new people and you spend a lot of time alone. On the other hand, if you're scared of being alone, maybe you avoid having time to yourself. 5. You may react to fear by giving up. For example, you become so fearful of failure and disappointment that you give up trying to get the things you want like dropping out of school even though you really wanted to finish. 6. You may respond to fear by becoming perfectionist. For example, if you're scared of failure, you may work extra hard because you're scared of not being good enough. In truth, this is like seeking certainty, but you're trying to attain validation from yourself through your own actions. But the problem here is that your self-acceptance is still conditional. 7. You may distract yourself with things like sex, drugs, eating, TV, or even work and exercise, and become addicted to one or more of them. 8. You may feel paralyzed by uncertainty and feel incapable of making decisions. For example, saying maybe, 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 and leaving things until the last minute, upsetting people, or missing out on opportunities. 9. If you believe there's no way to escape or control the thing you fear, you could develop a panic or anxiety disorder, since now you think there's something that can hurt you, that you can't get away from, and you live in the sympathetic flight or fight response. But what gives rise to these unhealthy responses to fear, and how can we avoid them? Well, it's fearing our own feelings that causes us to be uncomfortable with them, and this discomfort is the primary barrier to understanding where our feelings come from. 
when we feel uncomfortable, we tend to look for something to blame, and we respond to the feeling itself as a problem to be solved or avoided. But as you may have guessed, controlling and avoiding the things that trigger us is not the answer. What we need is understanding. For example, we generally find the feeling of embarrassment to be quite painful, but it's just a feeling. What threat does it really pose? The feeling passes and we're fine. Yet we fear the feeling itself and try avoiding or controlling what we think has the power to make us feel that way. But understanding that, why does fear have such a hold on us? Well, the term emotional reasoning refers to a tendency to take our feelings as proof our thoughts are true. For example, thinking, I feel angry at him, therefore he made me angry. I feel hurt by her, therefore she has hurt me. I feel scared of him, therefore he is scary. Or, I feel stupid, therefore I am stupid. When we're under the spell of emotional reasoning, we think we're making observations, but in truth, it's happening in a different order. You don't feel stupid because you are stupid. Rather, you feel stupid because you think you're stupid. And you take the feeling as evidence that your thoughts must be true. Maybe even thinking to yourself, if it weren't true, I wouldn't feel this way. People often have a hard time sitting with and observing fear and shame in particular, and we're more likely to believe our thoughts while under the influence of these emotions. That's why meditation is essential for the exploration of all painful feelings. It allows us to witness our thought process and relate to thoughts like we relate to sounds. This makes it far less likely that we're going to believe our thoughts are true, and it helps us observe in real time how emotions are generated not by events, but by believing thoughts. So now that we have looked a bit at what we don't want to happen, we can look more closely at some healthy reactions, such as, one, you recognize you're scared and are able to name it. Two, you ask yourself, what am I afraid of? And what feeling do I think this happening would give me? Three, you sit with the fear and simplify your thoughts. Whenever your mind wanders to anger or despair, you drop the story and bring attention to the fear. You practice mindfulness and relaxation to get comfortable with the discomfort. The fear lessens and perhaps it even goes away. Four, by sitting with the fear and possibly asking more questions, you may gain insight into why you're afraid and what you're afraid of. Just seeing it for what it is is often all it takes to finally let go. So how do we cultivate or practice these healthy responses? Well, as I had just said, meditation is key. The ability to observe your thoughts without believing them is essential when overcoming fear. And secondly, there are different approaches to transforming fear. In cognitive therapy, we work directly with understanding our thoughts, and by changing our thoughts, we change how we feel, which helps change the way we act. In behavioral therapy, we change our behaviors, which changes how we feel, which helps change the way we think. And this approach is embodied in the well-known saying, feel the fear and do it anyway. Oftentimes, facing something is the quickest way, or only way, to move past the fear, we can overcome our fear of public speaking by public speaking and overcome our fear of heights by getting up high. 
This is sometimes referred to as exposure therapy. Of course, if our fear is extreme, jumping right in could be traumatizing for us, so we need to expose ourselves to the frightening stimuli gradually to desensitize ourselves. But remember, we don't really fear things. We don't fear public speaking. We fear feelings. So how would you do this with the fear of being disliked or embarrassed? This isn't something you can walk up to. Well, with these more generalized and intimate fears, we need to bring the fear to the surface by thinking about triggering events, real or imagined. Once the fear arises, we can desensitize ourselves through the practice of mindfulness and relaxation. Of course, our life will provide opportunities for this, challenges at work or in our relationships, but it will be harder for us to practice in the moment, and it's better that we practice on the couch at home by thinking and imagining these events through. And once we're comfortable enough to listen to our thoughts, the thoughts that come with fear, without assuming that they're true, we can begin looking deeper and ask ourselves some questions. For example, asking, what category does my fear fall into? Remember, all fears fall into three categories. One, the fear of losing what you have. Two, the fear of not getting what you want. And three, the fear of having to experience something you don't want to experience. Now, better understanding what the fear is about, you can ask yourself this. What feeling do I think losing, not getting, or experiencing this would give me? Then ask the magic question, how? How would it make me feel that way? For example, if you're afraid of losing your house, you can ask yourself, do I need this house in order to be happy? How would moving from this house make me unhappy? By reflecting on the magic question, how, you begin to see that the house cannot make you happy or unhappy. After all, there are people who live in beautiful mansions that are incredibly unhappy. What you want to see is that you're overestimating the power this thing has over how you feel. And in seeing this, you will take it less seriously, which reduces your attachment and consequently fear. Some fears and cravings are more persistent, though, and that's because they come from more deeply held beliefs. And generally speaking, it's easier to change our beliefs about possessions or material things than it is to change beliefs about our sense of self. Say, for example, you feel afraid to share your thoughts and feelings if you anticipate resistance or disapproval. In this case, you may want to ask yourself, why am I afraid of that? What feeling do I think that happening would give me? But if that doesn't work, it sometimes helps to think not in terms of what you don't want to happen, but what you do want to happen. Say you know you fear they're being angry with you, but what do you want them to think or feel about you? Do you want their understanding, their love or respect? And why is that important to you? How would that make you happy or alleviate your fears? Let's look at it like this. Let's say you're afraid of being judged. So to reframe this as a desire, what might you want from them? Well, maybe their approval, which means you believe their approval has some kind of power or authority. So what would their approval prove? Would it prove you're beautiful? 
would approve you're a good person, how would it do that? That is why it helps to ask, how would my thoughts or beliefs change as a result of getting or not getting what I want? The ultimate solution, though, for fears related to abandonment, worthiness, and our sense of self is to explore the nature of identity in meditation, which I will discuss in another episode. But there's one more technique you can use to reduce fear, and that is the practice of cultivating positive feelings. If you know what feeling you want to experience, or that you're afraid of losing, you can generate that feeling in meditation using your imagination. And this will remind you that the feeling, which is what you really want, comes from inside you and can't be lost. So that's it for today. Don't forget to join the Learning to Be Happy Facebook group and visit my website, www.theheartchakra.ca, where you can access affordable counseling and spiritual healing online and in person. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.